Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. We have a great show planned for you guys today. We're going to talk about some trap games for Alabama, Georgia, maybe even Texas A&M. Where could those championship contenders slip up this year as we are now about a week, a month away, excuse me, from SEC Media Days? Arch Manning has made his decision. Why, why I love that decision. We'll get your thoughts, Aaron, on what he decided to do going to Texas, of course. We've got kind of a potpourri of a lot of like lighthearted, feel-good, sort of funny subjects about the SEC that I think most humans in this country need right now, in my opinion. I'm sorry, I was not concentrating for a second. Not producer Sean to the show. Well, during the show, can you turn Braden down for me a little bit? Leave it in. (laughs) This is going to be an ongoing series called called "Let's Not Make Dugan Deaf" by way of Braden. One day they'll learn to adjust those levels before we start the show, and that this is how my voice. No, you get loud. You get louder. (laughs) You start to you step into your you step into your place in the spotlight. Uh, that I hate that part of it. Uh, that being said, also on the show today, head coach at Troy, John Summerall. He has been at Kentucky the last few years as the defensive coordinator for Mark Stoops at Kentucky. He coached at Ole Miss. He's been at Troy. He played at Kentucky, was an all-conference level linebacker for them. And why, why would we have the Troy head football coach on an SEC show? Well, I'm telling you right now, he will be a head football coach in the SEC. So it's a name you have to know. You're very adamant about this, and I believe you. <laughs> I'm very, very passionate about John Summerall. So we'll talk with him coming up a little Big bit later guys on. Guy. <laughs> Big guys guy. Big Summerall guy. Big guys guy. Big Summerall guy. So that's what's coming up on the show today. However, uh, make sure you check out the fancy new YouTube show, the fancy new YouTube page. Yep. Subscribe, turn on the notifications, do all that great stuff. Aaron and uh, Sean Puff Daddy, P. Diddy.com Combs do excellent work to get this thing up on the show. And it looks even better now because we have these. This fancy place we are sitting in. Tell everybody where we are, Aaron. We are at the Cast Collective on Music Row, which is a production studio. We got podcasting studios in here, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it also we do small events here, event venue. Well, they don't only have to be that small, but um, you know, seventy-five people or less. Oh, that's big. That's a big event. And I don't we, get out much. yeah, no, we know. And um, video and production, video and photo services on or off site from the studio. So. Cast underscore collective on the Instagram. Um, there's a phone number and a website now, too. We want to tell everybody about that. Yep. The castcollective.co or .com will get you there. And Instagram, cast underscore collective. You can DM us on there. Phone number 615-712-7097. Let's see if it works. Right? Is it right there? It could be right there. We'll see. Uh, call that number. Check out the DMs. Cast Collective, of course, is where we are sitting and doing this show. And, of course, special thanks to our wonderful and amazing title sponsor. Fringe Element is brought to you by... Jaspers, the pride of the South. Well... That's like the Tennessee marching band. Yeah. Isn't that the pride of the Southland marching band? It's... Uh, I think it's several marching bands. Like all the marching bands in the I South do, are just the pride I've of the I've always Southland. felt like my marching band's titles overlapped. Probably. Well, it's sort of like the Georgia fight song and the Texas fight song basically just being... She's, you've been working, what is it? You'll be working on the railroad. She's been working on the railroad. Why can I not? I've been working on I've been working on the railroad. I. Same thing. Georgia and Texas, same fight song. And it's just, I've been working on the railroad. Yeah. There's like four to five sounds of the South. (laughs) The pride of the Southland band. Someone needs to be regulating this and stop (laughs) regulating other things. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Deep cut. And I like that in the first 10 minutes of the show. Um, uh, listen, I, this this was supposed to be about Jaspers. Okay. <laughs> this was Jaspers. I digress. Jaspers is our title sponsor. They present this product to you guys for free. Uh, and you should go support Jaspers because they are the next evolution of the sports bar here in Nashville. Four top hospitality, of course. 13 locations across the southeast. Amerigo, Char, Etch, etc. Saltine. They got Huntsville, Flowood, Ridgewood. Hunts, uh, did I say Huntsville? I did. Huntsville twice. Birmingham, Memphis. They got locations all across the southeast. So you football fans. Uh, in the area, check out Four Top Hospitality. Yep. Is that about it? Um, I think so. I had dessert there the other night, and it was delicious. Can you guess what I got? A Jasper's, I mean. Was it fresh homemade cheesecake? Yes. I love cheesecake. I love cheesecake. That's like one of the only desserts I really actually like. Did you get anything new and special for the new setup here? What do you mean? Like in the studio, now that we're on these fancy cameras in this fancy studio in this fancy place, like... You, you look extra fancy all the time now. Is, is that hair even real? 
My hair's real, Braden. I appreciate you. <laughs> I actually didn't, I had no idea where you were going with that. I was watching last week's episode, as everybody should be. I was checking it out, and I was admiring the editing and, and the job that my co-host did, and I was like, man, that is fancy hair. Is it real? Did she get extensions for the new studio? That would be... That's what I thought. I mean, I'm not... I'm not above it, but no, I have a lot of hair. I will say that if you're A, don't ask girls that. <laughs> B, I know. B, if someone has as long of hair as I do, there is, in your defense, a very good chance it's not real. Okay, so A, don't ask. B, I could have been right most of the time. Yeah, right. I, I, didn't I don't okay. dye mine, so I can grow it longer because it's not dead. But just don't ask girls that. A lot of them that have this long of hair, it is fake. Right. And they're probably going to punch you. Well, I, we, we have a good enough relationship that I feel like I can ask you. Yeah, you can ask Did me you that. get extensions for our new studio? <laughs> <laughs> I got a building and hair. Hey, I thought it looked great. Go One check it out. One was cheaper than the other. <laughs> Turn on the notifications and check out the new show. It looked pretty awesome. I thought Shane Beamer looked great, too. Yep. Go check out that episode, you South Carolina fans. Uh, all right, so let's get into Arch Manning here. He picks Texas over... Alabama, Georgia, and basically every place that like his uncles played, uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee. I think it's the best possible landing spot for the objective observer. Like as just a fan of the SEC, like I don't really want Bama and Georgia to continue to stockpile five-star elite-level quarterbacks. I've already seen a Manning twice at Ole Miss. I've seen one at Tennessee. I think it's more interesting that he goes to Texas. It's more interesting that he plays for a Saban assistant in Steve Sarkeesian. Yep. And it's more interesting because Texas will be coming back to the SEC to play against all the people he said no to. Yeah. And to me, that makes it the best and most interesting landing spot for the star. I star people. completely understand his mentality. I'm sure there was a feel about going to Texas that it felt right. I, mean, I think a lot of guys narrow it down as much as they can, and then they end up going with their gut, um, just how they interact with the coaching staff. I know there's now there's money involved. It's a little bit different. But I can't. I also cannot think of a better scenario than getting – two years to get your feet under you, and then, you know, in 2025... Yeah, we're not sure when it's going to happen. I'm willing to bet you it happens earlier, but... Yeah, I, that's I would... up to the lawyers. Yeah. So, but I, you know, you, you don't... I wouldn't want to repeat a school if I were him. Um, oh, as like like Eli did? Ole Miss, yeah. ER, Tennessee. I wouldn't want to do that, and um, he's probably going to get to play many an SEC team before this is all over, so... I'm I'm for it. Well, Quinn Ewers was a number elite sure, level. Your does not feel the same. No, no. But elite level recruit Quinn Ewers is already there. Sark's offense is extremely well thought of yep. and is going to do a great job with developing him. So, again, is he a 50-50 hit or miss bust guy? Like, who knows? We'll see when the lights come on. I think he's has a better chance than not to be a pretty damn good player. His last name says so. And I just think he's a good fit in that system. It's more interesting that he is at a place that has struggled to return to prominence, and it is more mm -hmm. interesting that he is at a place that's not the same as all the other big places. And as I already said, now he gets to come back, and Nick Saban gets to coach against the guy he's, that said no to him. He's also, I, I think, created out of a laboratory as the most marketable high school football recruit ever. I ever. think that's true. I think he could be worth more at Texas if he's the starting quarterback than his first NFL contract which is insane to think about. No, I mean, but that those numbers, that's correct. I mean, he's 3.1 worth, I think, on paper right now for with NIL, 3.1 million. And it, it's based on... Per year? Talent. It could mm. be per year. It, it probably is per year. I think it's just talking about right now. Yes, like, that, that makes sense. The floor, so, the kid who just spurned Florida to go to Aunt Miami was getting like 9 to $11 million offer for yeah, his first I'm, I'm thinking this is just year one. <laughs> and it's based on... Obviously, potential talent, like recognize, like you know, being name, how name rec recognition, name recognition, social. Um, he's worth three point one million followers, and he has one tweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He posted the, uh, he and follows uh, a tweet. No people. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, but yes, it's uh, Eli was. I don't know when he said this, but was talking about just how well Archie's handled like this whole process and just alluded to how much more is involved in the recruiting process now than when they oh, went yeah. through with texting. I mean, it's it's constant, and it's from every single angle, and now you add NIL to it. Mm -hmm. So to be able not only to finish high school the way he wants to, he also plays basketball, and um, get through this whole recruiting process and have a pretty good head on his shoulders and make a decision for himself is impressive for someone his age. It, it, well, it's impressive. It's also nice to have uh, two Hall of Fame uncles 
a Hall of Fame father, grandfather. It is, but it's also an they've added insulated, they've pressure. Tr- but they've tr- no, you're absolutely correct. They've just tra- they've insulated him and protected him from the very beginning. Yeah. And he's been trained to handle this type of situation because his last name is Manning and because he has that situation. Not everybody gets that luxury, but you're right. There's there's additional pressure when you're a Manning. Did you see the photo that Eli tweeted the night before he committed? I haven't. Where he tweeted out a picture of like it was like nine bros all wearing like the same golf polo and the exact same pair of khakis. And it was like, great night with the boys. And it was like, Arch, Eli, Cooper, Peyton, Archie. And I don't know who the other guy was in the picture, but literally the same pair of shorts, like all in a, in a row, just lined up. They like are a khaki short. That's like, if they were a piece of clothing, it would not be a football uniform. It would be a khaki short and like a wallaby. You couldn't say, yeah. <laughs> if a wallaby took human form, it would be Eli Manning. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, but the no problem the problem is is he has the Bama bangs still so like in the he's got like the moppy eighteen year old kid cut like we all did when we were that age and uh, maybe not you and I, I just am like you can't see his forehead so I don't know how good he's gonna be extensions like you need his, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got Bama bang extensions <laughs> and you better cut that shit before you play college football because I don't know if you're gonna be any good if you if we can't see the Manning forehead how do we know if you're any good at football yeah well these are the important questions of our time. You're not wrong. <laughs> all right. He'll be uh, all right. John Summerall, head coach at Troy, coming up in just a few minutes. We'll talk with him. Trap games. Uh, I was going through the schedules for Georgia and Alabama, mostly those two. We can mention A&M if you want. But I, those are the two big ones that are obviously the front runners to win each division and will be the front runners to win the division when we get to media days in a month. And overwhelmingly, they'll be picked to win. And I was like – I was looking at the schedules just thinking, man, I, I don't see losses for either of these two teams anywhere. So I thought we would try to find them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> where where could these two teams slip up? I have two very clear answers for each team. Okay. I want to know what you think. Alabama, what is the game? Because I don't think Texas A&M is the game. I, it, it might be the best team they play on the schedule, but Fisher, I don't I don't know. After the whole summer of you know of insults, I don't know how that's going to go down. I think that's a, a loss for A&M, but. Number one biggest game, trap game, concerned about upset potential for Alabama this year is what, in your opinion, Aaron Dugan? Well, I mean, I'm surprised you don't – I'm definitely considering A&M as – I've got it on my list. I've got it on my list. Um, I would also – I'm glancing back at their schedule. Um, I think there's one for Georgia and one for Alabama. That's like the number one big circle. What do you think Georgia is, Oregon? No, uh, that's a good game. It's a tough game. I think the one that I'm worried most about. Go ahead, you're, you're was, close. I was gonna say Kentucky. That's a great one. Uh, on at Kentucky, November nineteenth. I'm gonna go the week before that. Okay. Because I think I do. My, number one and number two on my list for Georgia is at Mississippi State, November twelfth, mm-hmm. and at Kentucky, November nineteenth. Those two road road trips. Two good quarterbacks. Two good coaches. But also, they will. Georgia will play Florida. Tennessee at Mississippi State at Kentucky in four straight weeks. Yeah, that's so tough. no so no break. They'll be favored to beat Florida. They'll be favored to beat Tennessee. Those are some games that they should win, but could be tested. Then all of a sudden, you got to go on the road and stop the air raid with Will Rogers. And I think that's how you beat Georgia is somebody slinging it around. Bryce Young did it in the SEC championship game. If you can't pressure the quarterback and they can get the ball out quickly, can they capitalize in space against Georgia? That's the game I'm worried about. If I'm a Georgia fan, is going to Starkville on November 12th. I do feel like if you look at, if you step away and look at several of these, you know, teams that are towards the top, you you know Mississippi State's not going to win all of those, but they are. They stood out as a potential threat to several different people. Although I know they won't pull, the, all of pull the them people. off. No, I think that's exactly right. They are good enough to beat anyone. They're not good enough to beat all of them. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I have I have Mississippi State circled for A and M. Texas A and M goes I to did that too. to Starkville on October first. I did that too. Mississippi State's going to piss some people off this year for sure. And it's like I don't even know how their their season will end, but I know that they will make some people really mad on the way. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I could see them winning nine, eight or nine games. It's just a really, really tough schedule. But they would have to pull an upset on some of the big boys. A and M, Bama, Georgia. Is your Bama. Alabama going to s- surprise me? It, uh, it won't. It may not surprise you, but it will make you very, very, very happy. It'll just. It'll warm. It'll warm all of the all of your insides up. You'll just. Your heart will be beaming with pride. Tennessee. No. <laughs> Why would that make you happy? <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Just Auburn. No. <laughs> Arkansas. Oh, duh. 
What are we doing here, Dukes? I don't know. A- a- Alabama goes to Arkansas on October 1st. Well, you were just talking. On the road. You, when I was talking about my hopes for Arkansas this season just a few weeks ago, you beat into my head how much experience they lost on both sides of the ball. So I didn't think you would go as far as to say Not they literally. could unseat Alabama. The record. Uh, no, I, I think Arkansas, because of their physicality at the line of scrimmage, especially on the offensive line, their experience coming back, Barry Odom on defense – I think the quarterback with KJ Jefferson. I, I think of Alabama. I think Alabama's toughest game of the entire season is at Arkansas. Huh. Now, I, the other one I could put on there is LSU on the road. That's the that's the one that I circled. Okay, and that's besides A and M. That's there's there's plenty of reasons for that. And I ju- well, ju- I mean, you just don't ever know, and it's Death Valley. Yeah. They, they, and they have talent. They have dudes. Brian Kelly's a great coach. Um, if LSU, it depends on what LSU is at that stage of the season because it's November fifth. It's later in the year. So what is LSU at that point? I think coming off a bye, always a concern there. They've they've kind of always done that with the two of them. I, I just for some reason Arkansas and this this is the same with Mississippi State and Georgia. It's about it's about how the styles make fights, and with Will Rogers and Mississippi State, the way that that offense will attack Georgia's secondary and the way that Arkansas's offense will attack Alabama, they'll be able to like run the football right at Will Anderson. You're not sitting back and throwing a million times. You're, you're being physical with Alabama. It doesn't mean they're going to win. I'm just, I'm just circling that one. I, I think Alabama wins the whole thing, so I'm not – Yeah. I mean, we're, we're – this is an exercise We're reaching. Here. Right, yeah. this is an exercise here. It is, as Alabama, too, you always get everyone's best. So everyone's mm-hmm. throwing everything they possibly can up against the wall and actually, you know, I would say stretching their, their playbook a little bit further just to see if they could do it. Yes. Um – are we you know, doing this for any other teams? Uh, I've got some A&M names. I, I thought – I was looking at the three best teams in the league saying, wait, where could they slip up? And A&M could slip up everywhere because they're A&M. But at Mississippi State on October 1st, at Auburn on November 12th is really interesting to me. The one that's the most interesting to me is Miami. Yeah, Miami. At home with a pro-level pro talented quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke. That's early in the year before maybe A&M's quarterback situation gets fully fleshed out. I. I could see that being a very tricky game for A&M, but I think at home I would I would expect them to pull that one out and sort of out-physical Miami. But that's a dangerous football team, the Hurricanes. And what? They play, that's a great non-conference game. It's going to be a great station. game, yeah. no doubt. The What do you think about the matchup between Mississippi State and Texas A&M? It's in Starkville. That's, that's one I've got down here too, October 1st. Um, I mean, they beat them last year. They went into College Station and won. Like Ole Miss beat like A and M's got to prove that they are not the consistency. Yeah, they yeah. like. When I was thinking about championship trap games, I was thinking exclusively about Bama and Georgia, and I put A and M's on here because like they're we've got them fifth in the magazine in the nation preseason. They're going to be a ten win expectation. So I thought, all right, let's look at them. But really, every game for A and M is like you could lose that one. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as a negative towards A&M. They just have to prove – consistency is the word. Like, they've got to prove that to me. Whereas with Alabama, like, I'm chalking up – like, they go to Ole Miss. Alabama goes to Ole Miss. I'm not even considering that one. I'm not either. Like, it's not even a thing that I think, you know. <laughs> yeah, they got LSU and Ole Miss both on the road back-to-back, and it still doesn't – It doesn't register with no, me. LSU, e- even at a distance, maybe LSU does. Yeah. A&M, however, has to go Miami and Arkansas at home and then Mississippi State, Alabama away. That's a pretty tough four-game stretch they, for them. They lost Arkansas and Mississippi State last year. And then Alabama, of course, is going to be away. Out, out for blood in yeah. that game. Uh, pe- people may die. <laughs> <laughs> you thought the press conference is a big yeah, deal. Right. Wait till you see the gladiator-style Battle on the field. Uh, Jimbo, F- Jimbo Fisher was going to have to resort to human sacrifice. To Can you imagine? To what if them game? and Saban both came out in gladiator outfits, shirtless? You mean like Russell Crowe style? Like true gladiator movie? Yeah, like 300. Oh, so you went 300. Okay. I was thinking... Gladiator. The movie Gladiator. Yeah, but it's all the same shit. Murder to a... <laughs> wait, no. I'm father to a murdered daughter and husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. How about that? You know a lot you of like movie that? quotes. Before we got on the show, you were like... It's really stupid that I can quote Russell Crowe. It's not... It's not Don't brag about that. It's not a good party favor. <laughs> um, anyway, at for Bama, at Arkansas, October 1, circle it. For Georgia, at Mississippi State, easy for me to say, November 12th. The at Kentucky game is interesting, too, because if Kentucky can somehow manage to 
get past Tennessee, they could be hosting Georgia with the potential to maybe tie for the division or something along those lines. I, I, that one's that one's interesting. I need to see more of Kentucky offensively because I think to beat Georgia you have to throw it, and I don't think Kentucky. I don't know if Kentucky can do that yet with their new coordinator. So. That's also going to be when you get that late in the season. You have to think about the health of your roster, yeah. Yeah. which is in the SEC um, a concern. And if you're Georgia, and you get to that stage of the season undefeated, that means the 15 players you replaced in the NFL draft, you've replaced them with pretty good players. <laughs> which we know they're going to do. Yeah, but pretty wild. If you, again, if you're 11-0 or 10-0 going into that game, that means you've already like solved all those problems. Yeah, you've done it. You've done it. So that's why I'm like, oh, what, Georgia can't beat Alabama this year. And I'm like, if they get to Atlanta, that means they're good enough to have gotten to Atlanta. Yeah, with as much which, loss as they have. Which means that they're going to give Alabama a hell of a game. I still pick, I'm still picking Alabama. Um, and then again, I, I want to reiterate how much I'm excited about Miami and A&M. For some reason, I want to go to that game. Cristobal being back in Miami with a good quarterback coming in early in the season, Texas A&M, a lot of hype. There's just it, it is ripe for drama, and I love that game. So, doesn't affect the SEC race. But any other games you got circled here? How about Georgia at South Carolina early in the year, September seventeenth? No, no concerns there. Nope, I don't. Tennessee at home. I mean, there's. How about Tennessee? Ho- Georgia. At, how about Tennessee hosting Bama? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is the analysis you come to Fringe Element for. Nope. No. No chance. <laughs> sure can't. <laughs> um, all right. Any other trap games you want to point to, touch on, um, comment on before we move on? Here? I mean, I was picking through some of the, you know, less apt teams, but it's all relative after that. It's not actual, like, trap games that's going to affect, like, a postseason run or, like, anything. It's just I, everyone's relative. I had a tough time with that, too, because I was like, oh, what's Tennessee's trap game? I'm like, all of them. <laughs> what's Kentucky's trap game? Like because to be a trap game, it almost it has to be viable, right? Yeah. Well, and, and you have to be championship caliber. Yeah, like you have to be expect expectations for you have to be that you're going to win every time, and I don't think that's the case for LSU or Tennessee or Kentucky or Arkansas or Mississippi State. I think they're all really good teams. I don't think any of them are championship good, at least not right now. We'll see. This is not technical, but I just have this weird. I sometimes have gut feelings, and sometimes they're right, like. Well, often, actually. You can ask my brother, producer Sean P. Diddy comes. Sometimes I'll just say something and I, I end up being right, but I have no really grounds to stand on. I feel like something really dramatic is going to happen Mississippi State at LSU. I totally agree. That's early in the year, right? Mm-hmm. Third game. I totally agree with that. Dramatic meaning? Just something, like, weird. Okay. Like, I mean, like, in, a, like, like gumbo is spilled onto the field or something strange of that nature. It could go, it could go that route. Maybe it's just game in game drama, but um, I think there's just going to be like a weird news title after that game. <laughs> and I don't know what headless, that means. Headless chicken found in please, Mississippi State locker room. Please submit your best weird post Mississippi State LSU news uh, headline. <laughs> Skinless alligator discovered in visitors' <laughs> locker room. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. No, I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, all right, a couple of small headlines here. John Summerall, head coach of the Troy Trojans, is going to join us coming up in just a few minutes. Um, had a chance to talk to him about his time at Kentucky, what he learned from Mark Stoops, what it's like to recruit in the Southeast. He was an all-conference linebacker at Kentucky and had his senior season, was told he could not play football anymore, and how that shaped him as an SEC player and, and becoming a coach. And Again, the part of the reason I wanted to have him on was not just because he coached under Matt Luke at Ole Miss and they're going to play Ole Miss and I think they're a good team. And I, 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 and I can mention Bill Clark in, as part of our conversation here. Bill Clark, the head coach at UAB, um, re- re- retired this week because of like health issues, a back issue. He's going to retire. This is a guy who single-handedly kept UAB football alive and would be a top candidate, if not the top candidate, for let's say hypothetically an Auburn opening I think Bill Clark would have been the top name. He's now gone. I think John Summerall will be a top choice for every AD in the SEC within a year, maybe two. And I think that's why we have him on today, so that people get to know his name. That's that's why I think it's I think he's that good. So. Yeah, I mean, you you don't think about the the head football coach isn't taking reps, but it's a very physically taxing job. Uh huh. They're running around quite a bit. So a- if you have a yeah. debilitating injury, I get it. Yep, no question about it. So John, uh, John Summerall coming up, head coach at Troy, in just a few minutes. Yep. Um, we're going to get into some weird food um, stuff because the Will Levis mayo thing came up again. I know oh, it's like yeah. a year old, but like I, we'll have some fun with that. Um, congratulations to Old Mississippi. 
on their national championship. That is now, according to me, in the last 13 years, six different SEC programs have won a national baseball championship. If you think football is dominated by the SEC, baseball, they're the only revenue-generating conference in college baseball. And congrats to Ole Miss on their national championship. Um, that's eight of the last 13 titles. Three times they lost to an SEC team yeah. in the championship series. Vandy did. They lost to Mississippi State. Sorry to bring that up. In the yeah, I didn't. That was I, that wasn't intentional. I wasn't trying yeah. to be rude. Well, it felt intentional, but it's all right. Well, what it is is it's a compliment to Vanderbilt because they're they're getting there so many times is what it is. Yeah. Well, thank you for spinning that. I wonder if I okay. Wait, of the last you say the last six different SEC teams in what time frame? So, since '09, when LSU beat Texas, that's 13 seasons because one of the years they didn't they didn't play in 2020. So over the last 13 championships. The SEC's won eight of them, six different programs. And one of the arguments. I can name them. Go for it. So you already said LSU. We know Vandy. Twice, yep. Ole Miss. Yep. Uh, South Carolina. Twice. That was the Michael Roth years. How about that poll? And Florida. Mm -hmm. 2017. I get them all? You got it. And Florida lost one. Mississippi State lost one, South Carolina lost one, LSU lost one, and Vandy lost one. So not only do they all have championships, but they all have been to the series and lost. Oh, two. and lots more than that. If you go to the final, like to, if you go to super regionals, it's oh yeah, just yeah, everywhere. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a joke. Yeah, it's they are the only conference that generates revenue on baseball. That's it, and and it's such a great event. And Ole Miss, I mean, Ole Miss is to be the last team in to win a championship. It's amazing, and it, and and this is the other thing that that. Are, from a football conversation that I always tell people when they're like, oh, it's just Bama. It's just Bama that's propping up the SEC, the non-SEC fans that want to complain about this. And I always say, it, since, since the advent of the BCS in 1998, I think the SEC has had six different teams win the national championship. Yeah, Tennessee has a national championship in the BCS era. Auburn has one. Alabama has six. Florida has Urban Meyer with two. Georgia now has one. Like, it's not just Bama. It's everyone else in the league has won championships. No, one, no other conference has more than two. Yeah. And that was Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12, which, by the way, where are they going? Yeah. We all see it. The SEC. <laughs> um, so, uh, also, John Talty, a uh, friend of the pod, mm -hmm. who was on last week or a couple weeks ago. Check out that episode, his new book about Nick Saban's leadership. Super interesting. They announced that he and Feinbaum are going to co-write a book about the Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher feud. And I can't a tell. Book? I can't. That's going to turn it into a book. That's what I'm saying. Like I can't tell. I got questions, Talty. I, I can't tell if I am overjoyed and excited about this, or like am sort of doing the old like, mm, how are you going to do that? Now they they say they're going to incorporate nil and like the they drama do a of children's the time. book on how not to treat each other. <laughs> that would be funny. I don't think you're going to get. I mean, vegan squeeze a whole book out of that. I know. Props to you, but there must be some shit we don't know. I think they're incorporating like an entire nil era. Of of like drama baked into the and like Fisher. marketing it with yeah and like it's more than just Fisher and Saban but anyway it's gonna John you write one book and you think you're an author now okay <laughs> you're writing se a second book the first one hasn't even come out yet he definitely has author vibes hasn't okay. even come out yet Talty what are you doing um, okay uh, real quickly here will for some I guess Will Levis did an interview with somebody and it came back up again that he doesn't that he uses mayonnaise in his coffee which yeah. is disgusting. <laughs> and, and I thought I wanted to ask you because I've got some weird habits. I just wanted to ask you what is your weirdest before we get to the <laughs> the distinguished gentleman John Summerall, the head coach at Troy. What uh, what is the weirdest yeah, what a lead in food Thing. habit that you have that would like weird people out? You want me to go first? Hmm. You always make me go first. I ask you a question and then you make me do it. Um, is it weird to take your coffee into the bathroom? Yes. I think it's weird to take really anything you're going to eat or drink into the bathroom. No food. I would not take food in there. But I have two small children at my house, and the only you're escaping the only 15 minutes of privacy and quiet I have in the morning is in a particular place in my house. And so I would like to enjoy my coffee in peace and quiet. Is that weird? It's not as weird as mayo in it. Okay, I feel better. It's still thank you. I realize that some people are weirded out by that and they think it's gross. That's but why I it's guess on the list. It's like a survival tactic for you. Yeah. Also, I just don't, I just, I'm not grossed out by it. I do pick. Oh, like off the, like. Off thank you, Sean. Every piece. This is what we needed. We needed. 
Senior, senior Aaron Dug food ha- Aaron Dugan food habit correspondent Sean Dugan chiming Dugan. in. Can't yeah, spit it out what right. The hell, Sean? So you pick all the pizza toppings off your pizza? N- Here's the thing. Mm. I have. I am. In a lot of ways, I'm not stereotypical. But when you see things about girls or guys being like, "Order your own, or else you're going to eat mine," you know, like you'll be in a drive-through restaurant and be like, "Oh, I don't need anything. I'm not hungry." Oh, that 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 person, which seems like it's a sitcom person, not like a real life person. I don't think no, anyone's no, ever it, done that to me. People do it in real life for sure. For real? Yeah. So you do it? He's pointing to you. Yeah, no, I know. So you'll be in a drive-through with a guy. And you'll be like, don't order anything, I'm fine, and then proceed to eat his food after he gets it? I don't really do... I do it to Sean, honestly, more than That's anybody. Not, that doesn't count. He's not a, he's not a guy that, that... That doesn't count. He's a brother. Because like, he like has to forgive me? Yeah. Right. yeah. It's required genetically to, yeah. to love you. Yeah. He, he over-orders now, though. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's called knowing your audience. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think of any you other... Do any, there's got to be something. All right, so I, do, I, do, I, eat, I eat lasagna cold after it's been made. The next day, I don't think that's that weird. I'll eat it cold. That's kind of weird. Um, I make like cold old meat sandwiches. Old sounds bad, but like if we smoke chicken on the grill, or mm-hmm. if I cook steaks or pork tenderloin or whatever, I'll slice it up. I'll put it on bread with butter and like cheese, and just like smash it and eat it like just cold and plain. Which is, I don't think cold turkey like that's not a weird thing. That's not that weird. Okay. I was trying to I'm think. Reaching here. I'm just. I have to have weirder ones than this. I don't know. The, I mean, I'll just eat any kind of pepper like straight out of the jar. I don't know if that's that weird, but I'll like eat banana peppers or jalapenos with a fork out of the jar. You, okay, so a jalapeno pepper with a fork out of a jar. Yeah, I'll just. That's weird. Yeah, that's and cool. then also if I like if I'm ever making like toast and I can't decide if I just want like butter on it or like peanut butter or almond butter i'll go halvesies on the piece of toast that's weird so i'll do half butter half that's almond neurotic. butter because i can't decide that is neurotic that's what we're talking about here it's not as bad as creamer and mayo in your coffee my friend shannon dips her french fries in mayo oh my god <laughs> oh that is not a surprise She's nasty. so you you're just so indecisive with the toast that you're like a little of this a little of that yeah, I'll see which half I like best this morning. And sometimes if I'm feeling like I'm leaning more in the almond butter direction, I'll go three-fourths. Uh, I do, if I'm making like a like a piece of t- cheese toast, I'll put pickles underneath it. That, that's not that weird, right? I like people, pickles, cheesy, and toast, so I don't think yeah, it's, it's that weird. it's like a panini with no meat, basically. I had a friend, though, that this isn't mine, but she would literally peel her grapes with her teeth and then <laughs> eat the peeled grape. <laughs> Do you? How do you eat peaches? Because it's peach season now. I don't really. Oh my god, fresh peaches, delicious. My wife peels. Probably cut it. My wife peels the peach. Is that weird? Peels the whole peach. I've never seen anybody do that. Have you ever seen anybody peel a peach? Um, You you eat it like an apple. You just take a bite out of it, or you cut the slices. I've never seen anyone peel it because it's all like mushy and gooey. Because we have an intruder. It's like. Somebody stop that man. <laughs> no, it's we like lock the doors, people. It's it's like because if you peel a peach, it's like the mushy, gooey, like um, like so. Do you, when you so eat it, messy. do you eat the peel? I, yeah, I, I've never seen anybody not eat the peel of a peach. But my oh. wife peels it and like like the grape. It's kind of like peeling a grape. It yeah. seems like an odd she thing do to, with her teeth, though. Seems like an odd thing to peel. Very. <laughs> All right, uh, that conversation was awesome. Yep. So, so when we come back, you will hear all about. Mark Stoops and how Kentucky built their program and John Summerall's job inside of that, his his retirement from football, playing at Kentucky, uh, how he's going to recruit Troy, how good Troy's going to be, how good the Sun Belt is going to be, all kinds of really great stuff. And happy birthday to John Summerall, who turns 40 next week. Wow. As do I. So, next uh, week? Yeah, it's not. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, my God, um, we got to wear party hats next week. John said he's going to party. Great story about uh, Mark Stoops celebrating after the Tennessee win a couple oh, of years yeah, you ago. you got to hear that. Uh, a lot of good stuff from John. He is a name to know. So when we come back, John Summerall, the Troy head football coach. Fringe Element is a podcast about SEC football, and it is, in fact, brought to you by... Jaspers. It is the... It is to... Jasper's is to restaurants what my studio, the Cast Collective, is to hmm. other studios. <laughs> what are you doing over that there? That was in a weird, that went weird. Hold that, on. That okay. is that is extreme. Jasper's. So this isn't, okay. Oh, I know where we're going. Carry on. Up-leveled podcast looks better 
nicer, more professional. Mm -hmm. We got like Sean's over here on a bunch of cool equipment. Lots of cords. There's lots of cords. Up level. This is where I was going with this. Lots of cords. We've up leveled the show because there are so many cords in here. Yeah. And you yell at me to not step on them all the time. Yeah, you can't. It's like step on a brain. Floor's lava. I'm good at that. I got kids. I'm good at floors lava. Um, I'll beat your ass at floors lava. Jasper's is the up leveled version of the sports bar, and they are my inspiration for this up leveling effort that we've made here. Look at that is synergy right there. Isn't it? Jasper's the up leveled the uh, up leveled version of the sports bar. Uh, Cast Collective, the up leveled version of podcasting studio. Of itself of before. Itself. <laughs> so Erin gets to promote her other product while promoting the product she gets paid to promote. Yep. This is tremendous. Mm-hmm. I'm a go. multitasker for sure. Four Top Hospitality, of course, is the owners of Jasper's. If you're in Nashville and you want to have a great place to do anything, like they've got a nice sit down area. If you want to have a nice date, take the, uh, take the spouse. Um, if you want to go after work, you want to just go grab a beer after work, watch a game of some sort. You could do that. They've got a grab-and-go market. They have a game room that is packed all the time and free. Yep. So air hockey, pop a shot, darts, shuffleboard, you name it, it's all free. Entertain your kids for free. Braden does that. I do that. If you want to take your kids, they've got a great uh, – It's it's. they've got areas that are, like, not too bro-y and not too sit-down-y, and that's, like, the right sweet spot for the kids Like because they, yep. they're going to be a little annoying. And you don't want to annoy the other patrons. Right. You know? Um, so go to Jasper's. If you're in Nashville, if you're not, and you're in one of the other areas around the southeast, which we know you could be, Memphis, Flowood, Ridgewood, Jackson, Huntsville, Birmingham, Four Top Hospitality. A lot of woods in there. (laughs) That's what she said. Four Top Hospitality, excuse me. Did it again. (laughs) Has a lot of locations. (laughs) You should go. Four Top Hospitality. They got a lot of places to eat in the southeast. All right. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Look at all these stupid cords. Dang it. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. We do appreciate it. How are you, sir? I'm outstanding. I appreciate you guys having me today. So I'm going to start with some real serious stuff, some real heavy hitting stuff, because I will turn 40 next week. And I know that you will turn 40 next week, not to call you out, but do you have any advice for those of us who are in this current situation and about to hit a very specific number on our birthday next week? Yeah, I don't have any real good advice other than uh, enjoy enjoy the time you got, man. I, <laughs> I've been telling people I'm 39 this this next week, so I didn't, I didn't know I was turning 40 yet. But, uh, but no, we, we're, I'll, I'm going to celebrate. I can promise you that. I'll have a good time. I, I, I'm going to party. That, that's that's exactly what, what one should do. All right. So you, you congratulations on the gig, of course. You, you take the Troy job. It's your first head coaching job. Now, everybody who gets a job, you have to go in and you have to have fresh eyes. You have to implement an organization. Hundreds of people all working together to try to build a program that can kind of create success. How, do, how does one go about doing that if you've never actually done it before? Yeah, I think... Um... I've got a lot of great experiences to draw on in regards to being around really quality head coaches in my career. Um, you know, I think as an assistant coach, you're always taking notes on processes, procedures, operations to make sure that if you ever have the chance to be the head coach, you've got an idea of what you want it to look like. And so for me, going back to when I was in college, you know, Rich Brooks was a tremendous mentor to me. Um, coach Brooks is really the first person in college football that I I started to take note on everything he did and how he did it and the battle rhythm of the of the year and his process and culture and calendar and so coach Brooks is a tremendous impact on me I worked for Ron Carey at the University of San Diego Curtis Johnson at Tulane I came here and worked for Neil Brown who was a really good friend of mine I was here from 15 to 17 with Neil and um, Neil and I are extremely close uh, probably will end up seeing him uh, next week sometime uh, while we're on vacation. And so have I really I sat right next to Neil for three years and in, in, in this same job and uh, learned a lot from him about how to be a head coach. And he was a first time head coach and saw him get his opportunity. And I was I was the assistant head coach here, linebackers coach and special teams coordinator here with him. And so during that time. I probably learned a, a great deal about being a first-time head coach. Um, then I went to Ole Miss and worked for Matt Luke and really saw him stabilize a, a tough situation 
I thought Matt did a phenomenal yeah. job. I think a lot of the success that's happened at Ole Miss, um, and, and you got to credit that staff there now with, with Lane and those guys. But I think Matt made some really hard decisions during some tough times that were for the long-term health of the program, not the short-term. Uh, and so um, learned a lot from Matt about how to face adversity. And then I had the chance to really kind of, I feel like I got my master's in being a coach the last three years from Mark Stoops. Mark, tremendous mentor to me, unbelievable friend, um, and kind of polished me off on some things in regards to how I want to do stuff here. You are yourself. You make it your own. I'm not Neil. I'm not Mark. Uh, but but I do have a lot of both of those guys in me. And um, and learned a ton from both of them. And, and I think you have to be true to who you are uh, and how you put things in place. Well, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like Neil's approach and Mark's approach very similar in sort of the the culture. And I know these a lot of these are cliches, but like it's hard to explain, a, a, you know, organizational structure and psychology without words like culture and identity and philosophy and all those kinds of things. But it seems like their approaches are very similar. And then on top of that, you also needed, especially at Kentucky with Mark, you needed patience and investment from the administration. Is that the formula is, you know, worry about people inside and then get support outside? And, and is that the thing that works regardless of where you are coaching football? I think the thing you just said first is so important is people. This is, you know, it's about people. And uh, and as a coach, the first thing you have to recognize, in my opinion, is that this is a player's game. Um, if there were no players, there would be no coaches. And so this game's not about me. It's about how do I equip our players and give them the resources to grow to be their absolute best in every area of their life. And so I think around Neil and around Mark, um, the thing I spend most of my time thinking about is player development on the young men that's in our program. And yeah, recruiting is a big part of that. But the most important guys in the world are the guys that are on our team to me. And um, we're going to recruit at a high level and pursue selecting the best players that fit here for us to help us go where we want to go. But it's about player development. It's about relationship. It's about trust. It's about those sort of things with your players. Yeah. And then uh, and then with the culture piece, like, yeah, that may be sort of a um, cliche thing at this point where a lot of people are throwing that around. But I do believe you have to fight every day for what do you want the culture of your program to look like? And uh, if you don't fight for it, man, you lose it. And, and so for us, um, we're, we're constantly reminding our guys, what is the standard? What do we want to be about? What do you want? Uh, what do you want people to say when they first think of who you are? And, and so we're, we're very big on relationship. We're a player's first program. Individual development stuff is critical. The, the model that we do. Uh, and then, yeah, you have to engage with the people that, can help resource your program. I mean, I think you're constantly trying to figure out um, who has an interest in Troy football and how can we engage with them, connect with them, and get them to help us elevate what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Fam famously, right? Saban is all about like you're gonna. The janitors are representing Alabama football like at all times, like even all the way down to that level of the program and the detail you need to sort of set that standard. You're you're talking about. What? what how would you describe? Troy's recruiting philosophy to find success uh, under your leadership? Yeah, I think first and foremost, um, we all know there is some level of requisite ability you have to have to play this game. You can't play Division One college football without some level of uh, ability. So there's a foundational floor of what is a good enough player, right, or a talented enough player. Right. But then the, the things that we look for, a lot of intangibles are – do you love football in the process of your development? Um, or do you like the idea of playing college football? You know, what are you about? So love of the game, uh, I think toughness in just regards to mental and physical toughness are big attributes that we identify. So those are two things we, we look for. I mean, we look for guys that are, that are smart and tough and that are good enough. You know what I mean? Like they have enough <laughs> ability. Um, I'm not, I mean, yeah, we want to constantly get the absolute best player we can. Um, I'm going to take the best players we can recruit in this program and attract those guys. But I also am aware enough to know we've had some really successful players in this program, like Carlton Marshall, who did not um, acquire a whole lot of division one recruiting attention when he was coming out of high school. 
and he's the best linebacker in this conference right now. So uh, to me, I think what are the things that make a good player aren't always height, weight, speed. Yes, you're looking for those things, but you're also looking for smart, tough football players that love getting better every day. I'm sure the linebacker inside of you would hate it if he ends up the all-time leading tackler in Division One history. And <laughs> I'm I sure would, you'd hate I would, that. <laughs> dude, I would love nothing more, man. He, and he what an incredible story. Yeah. I've, I've shared this with a lot of people since getting the job, and some people knew this when I took the job, but I actually recruited Carlton here when I was an assistant. Um, I got him to walk on. He's from McGill Toolin High School in Mobile, and I got him to walk on here. Okay, And then I left and went to Ole Miss before I ever really coached, coached him. And, um, but the only reason I was recruiting Carlton, I say the only reason, the main reason I was there, they had a quarterback that was a big time player named Bubba Thompson, who's now in the AAA organization for the Rangers. And he's probably going to be in the big <laughs> leagues soon. And we're recruiting Bubba here to play quarterback. And I'd watch Carlton play live. And I was, every time I watched him play, I was just blown away with how instinctive and natural he was. And he made, seemed like every tackle, you know, and so, um, I met with him a handful of times and showed him Nico Marley, who I had coached at Tulane, yeah. who was Bob Marley's grandson and Rohan's uh, son. And so I showed him I coached Nico at Tulane. And I said, man, I don't care how tall you are. I don't think after you make a tackle, they make make you stand up and measure <laughs> your height to see if the tackle counts or not. And But I left by the time he really became a, a player here. And so I got, got him to come here and then I was gone. And so I'm so excited and so thrilled to watch him play one more season of college football. He's been on a mission with the way he's been working and leading our team. Uh, and, and it's so fun to see his success because he's such a unique, remarkable story. It's amazing how the combine, especially at linebacker, that position, like the combine numbers seem to matter so much less than your ability to understand what you're seeing, process it quickly and get to the right spot, right? Like that, that's, that's what makes a great linebacker. It's not about your, uh, the size of your hands or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think the instinctive piece yeah. at that position, there's certain things that some guys have, or they don't have, you know, like yep. Yep. guys that naturally find the football and have good vision lines and awareness and instincts and spatial awareness and how to play a block and how to leverage the ball and those sort of things we can practice the heck out of them and I can help guys get better at them. But, I, but there's some guys that just walk in the door. And you're like, man, that guy's good. He just yep. knows how to play yep. the game because it is, it's almost an art form playing that position because you have things going on in front of you, behind you and to your right and to your left at every minute you're, you're in the middle of all of it. And so it's not like playing field corner or boundary corner where, Hey, you're doing this job over right. and over and over. There's so many different unique things that are adjusting and changing the game. And so those guys that are good at it, man, that, that are really naturally very good at it. It's, it's so much fun to watch. Yeah. You, you've got a hell of a defense. Uh, they were top 25 in the nation in a lot of categories last year. You guys will be one of the best defenses in your conference again this year. Um, it, however, how much different does the Sun Belt look today than it did when you when you were here a couple of years ago? Because it, it seems like it's a little different, Coach. It's significantly different. Yeah, there. I mean, no knock on these places, but back then, New Mexico State and Idaho were in the league. Uh, now you've got Coastal Carolina, you know, James Madison, Marshall, Southern Miss, ODU. I mean, there's – and Coastal Carolina was in the league when I was here last, but they weren't like they've been the last couple of years. Right. I mean, Quite honestly, when I was here as an assistant, Coastal Carolina was nothing like they are today in regards to this level of success they've had. And so I do think top to bottom, this league is extremely competitive. I think credit to our um, leadership at the, you, you know, the chancellor, president level uh, and, and athletic director level uh, across our league of what they've been able to do in the changing landscape of conference realignment, what what we have as a conference group of five right now, I think we're uh, pushing to be the best group of five league here. And I really do. And um, we want to add value to this thing at Troy. Um, I think we're primed and ready to take some steps forward and push the envelope. Um, I, I want to win right now. I don't want to wait. I'm not trying to, I mean, yeah, I've got a five-year plan, but I also got like a five minute plan. I want to win today. <laughs> and so um, we're hard at work, but it is a challenging league. I mean, you look at, 
our schedule from the other side this year, we play App State and Marshall. Well, those are two bowl teams and, and, and apps had it going on for a while now. So we've got really good crossover games and then Lafayette's been really good the last few years as well on our side. Now the West. So it's an exciting league. Way, way to ease your, your way into being a head coach in the conference yeah. at App State and Marshall at home to start yeah. your, your entire yeah, career. Yeah, we, we, we got no favors on the schedule, but I'm, I'm, Hey, look, you want to play the best, uh, but we didn't get any gimmies, man. We play, Ole Miss, uh, yeah. Alabama A&M, who's a really good FCS program right now, has added a bunch of transfers. Western Kentucky, who won a bunch of games last year in Army, nine conference. Uh, so we're excited about those challenges. And then from the other side, we got App and Marshall, which is probably yeah. the toughest draw that I think anybody on our side got, which, hey, good, man. We get to go play the good teams. That's exciting. You don't want to you don't want to you want to play the best people you can play and measure yourself against the best. It's always a lot of fun right in the middle of your schedule to be like, no, we're gonna have to play army on defense now. Like, no, that's just like give me, a, give me a break yeah, with that. Yeah, that's that's like going to the dentist in the middle of the season <laughs> to get a root canal. But no, it'll be one one thing that's kind of funny. We we hired a Shield Wood to be our defensive coordinator. He was the co-DC and safeties coach in Army. And I'm not gonna lie, I've known Shield for a while. And when I first started the process of vetting who I wanted to be our DC. I was not even really fully thinking about army was on our schedule in the future. And then as me and him were talking, he's like, yeah, coach, you know, uh, army and Troy play next year. I'm like, that's right. they do. This would actually work out really well, (laughs) (laughs) but they, they, they present a lot of issues. They've done a great job, uh, and really been extremely successful, um, the last several years. Um, when you, I want to go back to the end of your playing career. And for those that don't know, you sort of have this career playing all kinds of minutes, all kinds of snaps, all kinds of games, and it's cut short by a spinal injury. Can you kind of, and you, and basically you're told going into your final season, like, Hey, you can't play ball anymore. What what, through those, through that experience, can you try to explain what that did to help you become the coach and the person that you are in terms of how you manage players and see the, see the game now? Is it, how, how different is it because of that experience? Yeah, without a question, it changed me. I think, you know, my junior – and I was not a very uh, naturally gifted athlete. I made myself into a capable player at the SEC level. And in 2004, what was my junior year on the field eligibility-wise, I led the team in tackles at the University of Kentucky and played uh, above what my natural giftedness was probably because of studying (laughs) the game and love of the game and preparation and all those things. And so – Go, but I had some neck issues that were really had kind of been lingering. Um, didn't really speak on them a lot until they got so bad that I couldn't not speak on them. Um, and going into my senior year, I'd been named the Ronnie Lott watch list and getting ready to be a team captain and all these things. Uh, and, and sort of had the, the rug yanked from underneath me um, and was devastated. I mean, I was rocked because I'd poured so much into my development and uh, and given so much of my self to the to the game, um, and really for a little while there was probably in a tough spot because the game means so much to me. So, um, but I had gotten my degree in finance um, and finished my my undergrad, um, and then Rich Brooks uh, was the head coach who I played for my last couple of years at Kentucky. Uh, Rich calls and uh, I'll never forget where I was when I got the call. And Rich called me and said hey, we have a spot as a graduate assistant. Would you like to come? I was going to be around the team anyways. I wasn't going to leave. I mean, what else are you going to do? My whole life, I've wanted to be around the game. And so I I went from being a player in April to a coach in late May uh, and and traded my my helmet for a whistle. And um, I think probably the biggest things that uh, through that process, it helped me really – try to instill in players is don't take any day for granted. Yeah. Um, give everything you have to every opportunity that presents itself um, and do everything in life with a sense of urgency because um, you, you, you don't control your time. You know, you don't know what your time limitation is on getting the opportunity to do something. And so give it everything you got while you have the opportunity to do it so that when you leave the game, you can be proud of what you left in its place. Well, I think there's a lot of people watching what you guys are doing. Um, the team's going to be pretty good this year, and, and you guys got a chance to make some waves. And I think there's a lot of people paying attention. So congratulations on the gig. I'll leave you with this, and I appreciate your time. You've been very patient. But 
Uh, can you give us something on 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 Coach Stoops that nobody knows? Like, I think his sense of humor is a little underrated, probably. Um, I don't think many folks know about that. Give us something. Give us a story. Give us something about Stoops that nobody knows. You know, he he's as quality of a guy. And I, I don't have to really put him out there. He likes to drink bourbon. I mean, he bought he bought a bourbon company, so that's not really hiding a lot. <laughs> right. um, he, he likes to smoke a good cigar. I think uh, one of the things that um, – 2020, we beat Tennessee at Tennessee, and we're, like, on the team bus, and uh, we were probably doing some things that the administration didn't want us <laughs> to do near the bus. But uh, Mark likes to have a good time. I, I, he's, you know, on game day, he's as intense as they get. That You can be around. I'm probably similar uh, in that regard. I'm wired very similar to him there. Um, but really at the core of Mark, man, he is as good of a human. Uh, he loves people so well. Um, we had a really poor game last year against UT Chattanooga. We didn't play very good. We won the game, but we didn't play our best. Right. And, and we finished the year 10 and three. And you look back at that game, it's like, man, we almost lost to UT Chattanooga. That could have been uh, a, a bad loss. And Mark, that after that game, like he, he was like, hey, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Bring your kids to the pool at my house today. You know, like as soon as the game was over tonight. And it was because it was September. And so, I think the thing that gets lost to Mark, he's a, he's as caring of a person. I mean, he would give you the shirt off his back if you needed it. I mean, he does more for people um, in regards to just being selfless and authentic and, and so genuine. Uh, he, he is as loving and as kind of a dude um, for yeah. the people that are around him uh, that you could ever find. He does an event in Lexington called – coaches for kids it's a bourbon and cigar event and who knows i mean they raise a million dollars every year and it goes straight towards children's hospital and um just as quality of a guy but he likes to have a good time though man he he <laughs> he, he likes to unwind and he's fun to be around and he's fun to coach for you're you're not allowed to be the head coach of kentucky and not like bourbon it's like in the bylaws it's it's written it, there as uh, it, as it, as, it, as someone cool. As someone who also enjoys the brown water from time to time, yeah. um, listen, it's it's amazing how uh, being like a, a just treating people well. It's amazing how how far that'll take you, John. Congratulations on the gig. Uh, we can't wait to watch your team this 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 fall. We appreciate your time. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. That was John Summerall. The Troy, head football coach, former defensive coordinator for your Kentucky Wildcats, worked under Matt Luke at Ole Miss as well. And I just think the dude's going to be a star. So I thought, you know what? Let's get out in front of this. Let's have him on the show. Let's learn about what's happening at Troy, how to recruit. Sunbelt's getting better and better and better. And with Bill Clark retiring, as I already said, I think John Summerall is going to be a top candidate for pick a team that could fire a coach in the SEC in the next three to five years. I think John Summerall is going to be a top candidate for that job. And Let's name all of those. <laughs> No, thanks. Just kidding. <laughs> We'd like them to come on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, no, look, like, you know, Eli Drinkwitz has to accomplish something in year three. Harson at, at Missouri. Harson is obviously – every coach who's ever been at Auburn is on the hot seat, like, the second they sign the contract. Um, and I, so I just think, again, not two years from now, I think he's a name that people need to know. So. There really aren't that many hot seat. No, nobody. Nobody's on the hot seat except for Harson. Yeah. Which is a very weird place for SEC football. Very. For SEC football fans to be happy and satisfied is a very unusual. Well, some are just giving it a second. <laughs> some are just trying to see if it works still. So we're not at hot seat era for some teams. Yeah, like, but, but happier but than people are happy. Very much so. Tennessee fans are happy. What the hell's that? That's not normal. It's weird. Um, so it, I just think he's a name you should know. Also, fantastic story about Mark Stoops uh, partying. Uh, it's too good <laughs> after the win over Tennessee. Uh, with where with with and around things and places they maybe should have should not have been doing that. So that's funny. Um, uh, awesome. I also love the line about playing army in the middle of a season is like going to the dentist to get a root canal it's, because army runs that triple option and having to defend that is just a pain in the ass for. It's a, a very player. good visual that he set up there. Dude's gonna recruit. You can tell by listening to him. The dude's gonna be able to recruit. Super entertaining. And uh, they're gonna be good. And they're a fun team. The Sun Belt's really good. They're fun to watch. That's where you learn about coaches, folks that are going to be the next guys. You learn about the guy who's the next guy. That's how you, that's how you do that is pay attention to the Sun Belt right now because that's a really good league. Uh, Aaron, Fringe Element is brought to you by... 
It's brought to you by Jasper's, and I've done enough to them today. So Go to Jasper's, everybody. The parking is free. The food is amazing. It's the next evolution of the sports bar if you're here in Nashville. And, of course, if you're around the southeast, they've got locations everywhere. So check out Four Top Hospitality. If you'd like to come to Nashville and uh, produce a podcast or host a small event, what should, the, what should the wonderful people do? Or if you need photo and video content. Photo and video content. You can content. reach out to us via email. The website's thecastcollective.com. My email is Aaron at thecastcollective.com. Talk about synergy. Um, cast underscore collective on Instagram. <laughs> Having a work email is synergy now? <laughs> yep. And that, the sign out front says that. Oh, my God. The, the sign? Like, yeah, Dugan, that's your company name, bro. <laughs> That makes sense. Um, you get it. Y'all no, can find. Y'all find me. The, you guys make all this this happen here. The show. The reason the show looks this way all the time is because of the stuff you guys do. So make sure if you're on YouTube's, please subscribe. Push all the buttons, man. Just turn the notification on. Share the product. We really appreciate it. Tell somebody that people are talking about SEC football because they love it, uh, and not because they're trying to get clicks. Um, but we technically need you to click. So we just need you to that. subscribe. So subscribe. That, yeah, yeah. That you don't have to click anything out. ever again. You, yeah, you really don't. And it'll just be. We'll just send it to you every time we get it finished. Mm-hmm. We'll just send it to you, and you'll get really interesting content. And we got a lot of cool stuff planned for you guys coming up in the near future when the football season rolls around. So, we do. so check all that out. Go to Jasper's as well. Special thanks to John Summerall. Special thanks to P Diddy Combs for Aaron Dugan. <laughs> I almost called you Sean. Um, fine. Just Dugan order just order your own freaking food. That's all you got to do. If you're hungry, just order your own food and then eat your own food. I don't know if I'm hungry for sure one that we order sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if I'm hungry. Uh, my, okay. name, my name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Thank you guys for hanging out. Have a great weekend. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. I need a snack.